Before we get started, we wanted to give a disclaimer. Some of the topics discussed in this episode are sensitive. We want this to be an open conversation about topics that are hard to discuss, but we also want our audience to be comfortable. The following topics are discussed in this episode of Beyond the Lines. Self-harm, sexual harassment, and suicidal thoughts. Please consider not listening if you feel that these topics could bring about emotional distress. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Lines, a podcast brought to you by East Carolina University Campus Recreation and Wellness. My name is Delaney Hogg, and I'm one of your hosts this season. I'm your other host this season, and my name is Rachel. And I'm going to introduce Jihad, who is our first guest on this season of Beyond the Lines. Hello, everyone. I'm more of a first and a last name kind of guy, like a Jihad Carter, but um, okay. I'm a senior political <laughs> science major. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to Go get my major, but senior political science and communication major. Um, let's talk about it. What's up? What's up? Glad to be so, here. You are our very first guest. As you know, we're so excited to be here with you today. And I think just as a disclaimer to the audience, we're still figuring things out here on Beyond, Beyond the Lines. And with that, this will be an interesting episode for us all, I think. Big work in progress. But yeah. we're doing it. We're doing it. So, Jihad, tell us your story. I feel like, do you, I mean, how many pages, how many, how much time do we got? I mean. Um, <laughs> we can cut it down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, well, I guess my story. Where does it begin? Dramatic a, pause. I know, right? That was a great question. <laughs> where, where does it begin? I guess you could say it began in elementary school. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm from Georgia, very southern, very, you know, very, uh, very, very below like the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let you know off the back, I'm queer, <clears throat> and uh, I used to remember days when I would go to school just like being normal. I thought at least that's what the world was, mm -hmm. and just like from a very verse, uh, very very young age, like I was in first grade, and like I learned the concept of what being gay was. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it kind of starts there. Really, I was on the bus one day with my sister and these kids behind me, they were like, oh, he's gay. And I was like, my sister kind of turned back and she's like, stop, leave my brother alone, the second and the third. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like, why is it such a bad thing? And so I guess kind of that's where it begins. I think that's a very interesting place to start because I feel like our generation, like Gen Z and even the younger millennials, mm -hmm. are a lot more used to mm -hmm. people coming out in the LGBT community, be like just existing and being around. It's so much more present nowadays. Mm -hmm. But I know that generations older than us aren't used to it at all. Like we've grown up and this is the norm, but yeah. generations before us, it took them a long time to like adjust to it. So yeah, Delaney and I were talking earlier about how there's some people, <clears throat> excuse me, there's some people that don't even come out until after. They've like been married with kids and they're yeah. like grown adults. Yeah. So I think that's really cool that you kind of figured out a little bit about who you were so early on. Um, kind of. Okay. Kind you of. started to recognize it, I guess yeah. is a better way to put it. Yeah. I would say, especially like in more Southern states and mm -hmm. more like Christian and very like conservative states, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a learning curve mm -hmm. where a lot of young kids, they're taught from a very, very young age that like, this is not okay. You're not supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to North Carolina, it wasn't as bad. I mean, I still get, I'd still get like some homophobia here and there, mm -hmm. but like before I, was, I even came out, like, why am I in first grade and you're already deciding my sexuality? I don't even know what sex is. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. That's that's very, like, very weird to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think, honestly, this is such a random point that could very easily be cut out of this episode. But 
I think even just TV nowadays and like what we're filling our minds with, like they're starting to talk about these important issues, like not to reference Grey's Anatomy, but it is one of my favorite <laughs> always, shows. Yeah. Always, always reference Grey's Anatomy. Season, I want to say one of the doctors asked what the sex of the baby was and she said oh we don't we're not going to find out the gender mm -hmm. and she's like no the sex like they were talking about the sex versus gender like yeah. concept on reality tv and not re reality because Grey's Anatomy is definitely not real but um, <laughs> on tv that's on nowadays which I just thought was something so interesting that they were willing to talk about those important issues yeah. so I kind of love that we're starting in your elementary years just a great I yeah. mean where else would you start I mean like you were just when you kind of go off into to school, you like leave home mm -hmm. and like where you, it's like your first introduction to the world and socialization right. and whatnot. But like then really when you're outside of that safe space, sort mm -hmm. of say, and you're more in a new kind of environment with new mm -hmm. kids who all have different kind of you know backgrounds, you kind of get to get different kind of perceptions of the world and how you fit inside of it. It's, okay. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of it's it's real. Yeah. And I think especially like a, being young, you don't necessarily know how to necessarily handle it. Okay. Because I remember even like starting from first grade, that's when I really kind of learned the concept of being gay. But like when bullying really started for me, third, fourth grade, and mm. it's just really bad. It was really yeah. bad. Like there were times when I would walk home and people would follow me and beat me up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like that's so my, scary. I mean, it's scary, but I guess like it's kind of the reason why. I'm the I am the way I am now. Right. Very driven, very outspoken, very yeah. mm -hmm. like this isn't right. Something should be done about it. Yeah. You ever see those like movies where the bully comes up and they're like, Your shirt is ugly and you got it from Plato's closet. And then they just walk away and the person's like, Oh, they're so annoying. Like yeah. I just wish they would leave me alone. I'm like, heck no. You're not gonna bully me. And then that's why I also would get beat up a lot because yeah, when you're you should outspoken, stand up for yourself. Yeah. When you're outspoken and you like make someone feel like like oh well, you kind of check them on like they're bullying, mm -hmm. then it's kind of like retaliation, right? And I learned that from a very very young age. Like once you just kind of a bullet, if a dog is barking at you, you bark back. They might attack you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's true. So I have a question. Um, you said you recognized when you started to. I don't even know how to, <laughs> I guess you recognize at an early age that you were gay. So, but you didn't come out then, right? So it's like, I don't think I recognized from a young age when I was, I was gay. I think it's more stuff. I recognized the box and you're talking about gender earlier, mm -hmm. the box that a lot of men are put into mm -hmm. from a very young age, because like, you know, I don't think I really recognized I was gay until like fifth or sixth grade. Okay. But automatically if you have effeminate characteristics mm -hmm. you're automatically labeled as gay yeah but like if you really think about it, like these social constructs of gender mm -hmm. is it real like do you think that they really like like back when there were dinosaurs do you think that they had genders like do you think dogs have genders we're at the end of the day like i think that's when i kind of got my first introduction into society and how you're already you're automatically put into a box okay before you even make a decision yeah you're already there I think I kind of have some very similar, like my hometown is very traditional and I can remember being in sixth grade and someone was like, oh, that guy is gay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like mm -hmm. I had no idea what they were talking about just because I was raised in the church and I was raised Christian and I'm still a Christian now. And 
basically I just remember being like, oh, well, no, he's not. And I have no idea if that guy is gay to this day, but I remember <laughs> standing up for him and ha having that be an issue in sixth grade. Like yeah. you are yeah. 11, 12 years old back then. Mm -hmm. Like kids are mean, kids are brutal. And kids like- Kids are bullies, dude. They're awful. Kids <laughs> like, are awful. They're so, and they're so mean and honest too. Like it's just Brutally crazy. Honest. Yes, before they ever learn to kind of be kind of two-faced or fake a little bit. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess everyone kind of has their faults, mm -hmm. I would say, because when you are, you get exposed to the kind of quote-unquote evils of the world, and I'm not necessarily saying it's evil. It's more so of a it's a learning process. They mm -hmm. learned something that was a lot different and they learned to discriminate because you're not going to come right. out the womb homophobic. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right. You come out the womb and then you're exposed to society and then your family tells you this is how things are supposed mm -hmm, to be. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily blame them. Right. I blame society. Yeah. Because they aren't the problem. Society's the issue because we haven't really necessarily. We don't. Now we're talking about those issues a lot more. Now mm -hmm. you can go to a store and you'll see like a, a cereal box like. Ross's Blake's talk about it's it's like you know it's Pride Month and we want to mm -hmm. you know want to mm -hmm. celebrate on that. I didn't get that growing up, right? Or like how like on Disney Channel there's like a a queer like kid who mm -hmm. has like his own show and it's about him. Really? Yeah, I believe so. That's cool. I think I that, that it's really <laughs> brave of you to not blame those people because mm -hmm. I think that that would be really easy to do. Yeah. Like I'm just thinking like if that was me, I would probably very much so blame those yeah blame those people, but. I think it's really brave of you that you don't blame them yeah. and you choose to blame who's actually at fault, which is just society in general. Um, so when did you come out publicly? Um, my sophomore year of college. So it's like. Wow. It's a big what, gap. What year are you now? I'm a senior. Okay. So yeah. like, and a lot of people are very surprised that like I'm very out and proud now. Right. They're like, wait, you weren't always like this? And I'm right. Like, no. I mean, like, <laughs> you think I was? And like, you think I was just walking around in first grade with a flag? Like, hey, everyone. Like, I'm gay. Like, I don't know. But I in guess. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I finally decided to come out because like, I just, I was tired of letting society tell me how I should live my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're always told, you should do this. You should mm -hmm. do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Who made these rules? These rudimentary rules. Mm -hmm. Who made them? Some will say the Bible, but then also some will say that the Bible also causes things like the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Causes things like slavery. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. But personally for me, I, you said it was a gap, I guess because I'm – I've always been that more defiant and rebellious person mm -hmm. where it was like, I'm gay, but I'm not telling anyone because everyone else is already putting me into this box, but I'm telling everyone that I'm straight. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was also very defiant about that. Like, I'm living my life the way that I want to mm -hmm. live it. But then eventually, I guess I just got to the point where it's like, I'm fine with who I am and I don't give a, I don't care. I don't care what people think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just owned it. Yeah. Okay. So what made you actually come out and just decide to start telling people? Was it like a slow process? Was there a defining moment? Like what was the... So I think my freshman year coming to college and being away from home and being in mm -hmm. a new environment where you have all these like resources available to you and you're getting like new ideas about the world. Mm -hmm. And you also have things like dating apps. Right. And you're like, ex like exploring the world, like who you are. I think freshman year, I was very, very closeted and I was very, very like, I actually started to deal with that because like, you know, in home, I didn't necessarily have the best life. So like, I was like 
struggling to survive at home. Mm -hmm. But and then I never really paid much attention to my sexuality and how like the me within really felt and wanted to be open about my life. Okay. And I didn't never until I got out of my home situation, I came to college and I got experienced in the about the world and just had more new avenues to kind of explore things. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of um a tug of war it's like i i want to come out but i don't and it's like really hard and i'm crying i would walk out of my dorm and go like to lit up areas on campus where it just ball my eyes out because like i don't want to cry in my dorm because right. i didn't want to be out and i think have you ever heard the song by um logic i've been on the low i've been yeah. taking my time like that one mm -hmm. yeah and you ever seen the video i've not i'll have so, to look at it after this there's a queer kid Mm -hmm. And he's also black as well. And it's his like journey of like coming to terms with his sexuality, being in sports mm -hmm. and like about how he was being closeted and how it was like kind of really destroying him in the inside. And I looked at it and I was like, that's literally me right here. That's mm -hmm. me. And I was like, why are you? Why should you continue to be placed into a bubble? Mm -hmm. And then slowly I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. And I like watched the movie on Netflix and it was like another queer black kid. And I was like, I should just do it. Mm -hmm. Like, and I prayed about it like multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like, what should I do? Like, I need an answer. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not that I like heard anything. I'm not one of those people like I speak to God. But it was like more of a feeling of just do it. I got you. Like comforting almost. Yeah. It's like, just yeah. do it. And I remember I sent this long message into like my my best friends like it was like 15 of us you ever have those like mm -hmm. high school I mean, yeah. your freshman year mm -hmm. friends Big when like, group in, chats. You, like you're just in a pack right you can't ever go to the dining hall alone so yeah. you got to make yeah. sure everybody's got some way to get together. yeah yeah i got you and so i just sent a long <laughs> message mm -hmm. and i turned my phone off and i was like i'm not looking at it till tomorrow and i woke up the next morning and it was just so much loving like you know responses mm-hmm that's awesome. It was it was really hard at first, though, because, you know, I guess you can say once you finally do come out, it's a lot of the people who are like, OK, yeah, we were so, we support you. Like, you're OK, mm -hmm. like who you are. But then those friends who are like, I knew the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I guess like to this day, I think that's like a little bit disrespectful. Yeah, because it centers that person away from like, I'm trying to unlearn everything that society taught me. But you right. kind of took it away from me and you just want to be like, I knew. You didn't even have to tell me because I knew who you were from the gate. It must be difficult because I feel like it's an internal struggle when you're trying to decide that. Yeah. And so putting it out and having it become an external situation and like you're essentially welcoming people's inputs and opinions like you might not yeah. want them, but they feel like if you're telling mm -hmm. them, then they are welcome to an opinion on it. Yeah. And I feel like bringing it from being an internal thing to an external, it's probably a very difficult decision to make, like no matter your age. And so mm -hmm. I can only imagine how hard that must have been to put it out there for like other people to know. Jeez Louise. It was like really, really hard. I mm -hmm. guess, like I said, I was I was very defiant growing up. Mm -hmm. You've just been so stuck on like, just like I'm like, you're not this. Mm -hmm. Like whenever box people tell you, you're like not even just being gay, but just like, you know, anything in the world. Like, I'm not, I know I'm not. You're just so stubborn in your head. Like, I promise you, this is not the case. Mm -hmm. But like deep down, it was like something was screaming like, yes, you are. Just own it. But it was really like a lot of, I was being taught to hate myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and there were many times like, you know, it was very difficult. But there were many times when I thought about like, I was contemplating suicide. Like my freshman year dorm, I lived in white. 
on the ninth floor. And there came a chance, came a certain time when I was like, I don't even want to look out the window mm-hmm. because I know that I'm contemplating it. I know that right. like one day, like I could possibly just put both of my feet out there and just do it. Mm-hmm. And it scared me. And so I, I like that. I like to keep that window closed or like back home. There was a bridge mm-hmm. that I would walk home to during the day after like I got out of school and I just was like, just do it. But I didn't listen. And I just kind of start to unlearn it's like you know everything you learn about society you have to kind of unlearn Mm -hmm. it and really learn like who you are Mm -hmm. at the core and not what society tells you that Mm -hmm. you are i feel like you you get out of your hometown and like you're a young adult in a new city in a new place and you can finally like form your own opinions and experience Mm -hmm. different types of people i mean my freshman year i met so many different types of people Mm -hmm. that i probably would never have met people like that in my hometown and people i'm from richmond virginia i'm from right outside in a small town called mechanicsville virginia (laughs) historical town it's a historical town and that's what i'll leave it at but um (laughs) i love my hometown i do but in college people are so open about everything Mm -hmm. sexuality gender and you meet all different pe- types of people from all different walks of life. And so, like, people hold back so much when they're home, I feel yeah. like. But mm-hmm. when they're here, they're like, new life, new me. Like, let's do this. And I don't know. I just feel like having left my hometown and coming here, it's changed a lot of my opinions because yeah. I've gotten to experience things firsthand and on my own agenda. And mm-hmm. going back home, there's t- there are times when I'm like, how did I not recognize yeah. mm-hmm. how messed up it was at times just because of like the preconceived notions that I had gotten growing up. Yeah. Like it just sometimes takes getting out to actually recognize what your views are and what yeah. your like opinions are on things, I guess. I mean, but that's like really, really difficult because mm-hmm. in order to really even do that, you have to open yourself up for change. But those defining moments in your life that just like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you do it. It kind of like kind of mm-hmm. sets you up for what's actually like your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I that like that. my coming out story, I never really had anyone who's been like, when I came out was like, oh, that's terrible. Like You mm-hmm. should, you should not do that. And I feel like in that area of instance i'm very privileged mm-hmm. and yeah. i guess also i think like it's like i've always had supportive people around me mm-hmm. so i feel like in a sense of privilege because a lot of people like their family disowns them yeah like their friends like they stop being their friends yeah they're like oh and that's why a lot of people do actually commit suicide is mm-hmm. because like they don't have a network around them so luckily i was a little bit more like privileged with having people who were like you know like it's okay and mm-hmm. we're still gonna be your friends we're still here for you but i will say that like that unlearning process you have to kind of let that person go that's deep inside mm-hmm. that's been like you know you shouldn't do this that's been kind of preaching mm-hmm. at you in your head that like this is not okay but that's not even you that's society mm-hmm. that's society what it's telling you what you should do mm-hmm. and like i was saying earlier like um i can't blame the people who bullied me growing right. up i don't blame them because i kind of i was taught the same things that they were taught right and i've done similar things to them you know what i mean and I think when I studied abroad, it was like a clean slate of like people. Because mm-hmm. when I came into college, I created friends and I, I had this facade or this mask that was this straight kid, which I don't know how I even try to pull it off. I don't know. <laughs> if you ever see me switch or like, you know, like walk down, you pro- y'all probably saw me like see me walking down campus. Like I sometime. see you all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I would like try to like play it off. I don't care. But right. like. I guess 
I still was having this facade that I, I was a certain person when I, I wasn't actually that person. Yeah. And so when I finally did come out to them, it was right before I, I was studying abroad. And so I still had was reserved and I still was uncomfortable yeah. to really just try to be different. Be more open with like how you move and be like be less cognizant of like, mm -hmm. OK, you're switching too much. OK, like you, you should stop like, you know, flip, flipping your hands or whatnot. But I think once I uh, studied abroad in Italy, it was like 27 other people. It was like 28 of us, 27 other people. And I was like, you know, I'm going to just be as me as possible. Be less, care less about like how people perceive you. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. But I, I felt like I got the opportunity to flourish. And then afterwards, a lot of my friends, they were like, oh, like you're a lot like more open. Mm hmm like, I don't know if y'all ever see me twerk. Probably haven't. <laughs> but, like, a lot of my friends were like, that's, like, that was something new yeah. to them. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It was really, it's kind of almost empowering mm -hmm. to just, like, not create a new person, like, escape, but be present and mm -hmm. ownership, having ownership of who you are mm -hmm. and not caring yeah. what anyone has to say. It's, like, it makes you kind of new. Just be you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a little break. Okay, so we are back from our break. We're going to continue talking about Jihad's study abroad trip and once he got back from that and everything, I guess. Yeah. Where should I start? I don't know. I don't know where we left so off, So you honestly. were talking about how you were talking about twerking. Oh, yeah, that's the last thing I remember, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How you kind of came back and you were a whole new person, essentially, yeah. and just kind of learned to accept yourself. Yeah. So what was that like when you came back and started telling people that we're here? Not even it's like, I guess, because I wasn't only just like I studied abroad, but like mm -hmm. right after I went to Colorado. Okay. And I like did door to door sales. God bless me. Sorry. Young self, you'd be looking at this or you can't even look back. I'm sorry. Anyways. <laughs> um, so it's like I was with different people and in, in like, you know, in Italy. And then when I went to Colorado, I was with even like a whole new kind of people. So like I was continuously like, just like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. Maybe I want my nails polished. Maybe I want it to work. Like who cares mm -hmm. what I do? And I guess when I came back, especially after doing door to door sales, you're super, you get super, super confident. Mm -hmm. You get super, super comfortable with who you are as a person. And so like when I came back, like I did, it didn't even occur to me that like I might be different to other people. Okay. But a lot of people were like, they're like, well, like, you know, it's like since you kind of got back, you're just a little bit more like, you know, you don't care anymore. And I was just like, like, I'm just going to continue doing this. Yeah. But I guess the first time I, I showed like my close group of friends that I can twerk, they were just like, oh my <laughs> God, like he doesn't, he really doesn't care. So this is a real you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah You've like, been holding out on us. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I mean, just kind of coming back after just a wonderful experience mm -hmm. of like actually exploring the world and living your life the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. It can make some people a little bit intimidated about mm -hmm. how confident you are and about how like driven you are and still how queer you are at the same time. Because mm -hmm. like I say, like I'm very, very, very passionate about like, you know, the world and actually like trying to change it or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And like so having more bolder ideas and also still being unapologetically myself mm -hmm. some of my friends were a little uneasy about it mm -hmm. and like i just didn't care like i mm -hmm. just was like just like okay well 
I'm not just going to be in this bubble with y'all this whole entire time that I'm, I'm in college. Like I'm supposed to branch out. I'm supposed to new, meet new people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, upon my return, I got this job at Studio Media. And okay. I don't even know if you've ever heard of expressions. I have actually, heard of expressions. Heard of expressions. <laughs> yeah. So I actually became the editor in chief for like um, a magazine that year. And although like it's a submission based uh, publication mm-hmm. where people write poems and or they write spoken words or they write like you know long pieces and or take photography mm-hmm. and drawing and they send it into us and it's like a conglomeration of like um just like a story that you're trying to tell what's the theme and so my uh my the year that I did it in 2019 mine was called bloom mm-hmm. and it was supposed to symbolize uh being in a dark place where you feel like you're just when I say dirt, because like, you know, a flower, it's mm-hmm. just a seed at one point mm-hmm. and it's covered in dirt and it has to be watered. But when I mean dirt, I mean that unlearning process mm-hmm. of like actually having to kind of dig your way out and see like, find like, where do you actually want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you actually? Like, so it just was kind of symbolizing my story of just like blooming and being myself and actually coming to terms with who I am and actually loving myself and like working on my self-care. Like it was a conglomeration of many other people's different stories who I'm all very appreciative of because they trusted me with their stories to, you know, tell them to the masses of our university. Um, but to the core, the story of Bloom was just like a symbol of who I was mm-hmm. and what I was coming to be and that I have a long, long way to go. Um, I don't know. Just... It's it's just really hard to put into words the opportunities that I have been given, mm-hmm. especially like after coming out, being able to take your story and I don't want to say capitalizing off of it, but like more so making it a story that people can relate to mm-hmm. and making it a story that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. It kind of put me in a different direction of what I actually want to do, how I want to be an inspiration for other people, because like, you know. I try not to think of myself as like the all and end all be all of like, you know, I'm this cool person because like I was the editor or whatnot. Right. A lot of people let that kind of stuff get to their heads. Mm-hmm. But I was more so thinking of it as like I have this opportunity to if someone <coughs> like me 10 years from now, 20 years from now came across this magazine and they read it. Could I actually potentially save their life? Mm-hmm. People who don't have that supportive network. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could they read this and even someone who's not queer, but can they read this and see themselves in one of these stories? And actually like, you know, I can actually bloom. I can actually overcome like my struggles. Do you know what I mean? That was very, very important to me. Um, No, you're good. You're good. Even to this day, like I look at people, I, I try not to look at the world as like, what I can get from it, but more of like how I can influence it, how I can change it, how I can tweak it. Right. How I, I can make awesome. this a more, more place to like, you know, get by for other people. Mm-hmm. I'm artistic mm-hmm. in a way. And like I've drawn, I drew in there and I like also like took a couple photos that are in there. Okay. But I think when I studied abroad, I not only um, was able to be a new, not a new person, mm-hmm. but like be my true self and be like bring myself 100% to a table. But I also kind of experienced um, my artistic side. And it was kind of like an Italian renaissance in a way 
where it's like after the Black Plague of like all darkness that you kind of revamped and you revitalized and you were a lot more creative mm -hmm. and you take your your struggles and you take your pains and you, you know, just build something new, build something beautiful, mm -hmm. build something people can remember. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's awesome. So you've kind of shared your story a little bit with us now, but I do have a few questions uh, <laughs> as per usual. But what do you think the ECU community could do like to better support like people within the LGBTQ community? Well, first off, I will say like the LGBTQ community is very important to me mm -hmm. because that's also my identity, but also the intersectionality. Okay. Of also being like a person of color mm -hmm. and being queer, mm -hmm. being a woman and being queer. I think that it's like, first off, I feel people should get out of their comfort zones. Because mm -hmm. like you were saying, some people, they come here and they explore new worlds, but that's not everybody. There's right. 35,000 students that go here. There's some people that literally still go home every single yeah. weekend. Like any yeah. chance they get, they're out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think people should like, you know someone came across me once and they were saying like oh like i just like to be like i don't like new ideas like i just want to be around like-minded people and i said i told her i said well why are you in college yeah this is the place where you're supposed to try something new mm -hmm. you could have went to community college at home you could have stayed That's home true. like if you wanted to be around like-minded people right and like i wasn't saying that in a rude way yeah whereas like i was like coming from a, a more elitist fashion but i was more so saying like if you came here, you're spending your money's worth. You should probably get everything out of yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what the ECU community could do to not only just be more accepting of the queer community, but of all communities of people with disabilities, mm -hmm. of the queer, of the people, people of color, women. Mm -hmm. I think that people should get out of their bubble, like see, recognize that they have a privilege, and see other people's stories as an opportunity to learn. Right. And like, you know, don't treat people like, you know, that whole golden standard of uh, treat people like how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Well, treat people how like how they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. And I think that's why that's that's just the number one thing that I feel like the ECU community needs. So can you tell us a little bit about like where you are now? Yeah. Where is Jihad now? <laughs> that's what we really want to oh, know. Place, dun, dun, no, dun. Um, <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> You know, I don't, I never, I'm the type of person I like to take, I take notes and yeah. then I'll reflect mm -hmm. to see where am I actually. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like this is actually a loaded question for me. It okay. is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say I'm, I'm rebuilding. Okay. Because, you know, after coming out, I thought it would be one issue that like us, and all be all like all my problems in the world are over. Right. Mm -hmm. We all have that kind of naive thinking, like, okay, you you've over you've overcome this. So now this like is it. Now I'm done. Scot free for the rest <laughs> of the world. You can just get off and you don't have to like, you know, right. deal with anything else. But I think personally, I think um where I am now is not to get political, I'm not trying to get political about my political <laughs> beliefs. If it's but, too political, we'll cut it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably won't, though. <laughs> yeah. So he's a poli not, sci major. Yeah, he can't so I help can't get political. But this Come is like in. more so like philosophical. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I'm more interested in representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And helping out the people around me. I used to think that like you know, 
I was the only person that needed to get built up to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. But you have to bring those people around you. Right. I love you. that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're standing on top by yourself. Yeah. Like, that's boring. <laughs> you want people there with you to, like, kind of, like, I was there in the trenches when you, were, right. when you were going through it. And now I'm in SGA. That's very political. But um, I'm the director of equity and intercultural engagement okay. for SGA. And a lot of my, um, a lot of, like, my penumbra of the things that I kind of need to work over or work under is like, you know, LGBTQ issues, uh, women's issues, issues that surround my, like minority communities, mm -hmm. um, disability issues, and also like Title IX adherence. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like sometimes into the job, I take my, the world that I was kind of given and I deal the cards the best way that I can to not only just benefit the lives of people who are on the student now, but benefit the lives of the people in the future. Like I was saying, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. you know, making this university university a better place for them. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it's really, really hard, especially when there are some things that you haven't necessarily come really full to terms with or you're still constantly working through your issues. Um, especially when it's like whenever you are dealing with issues that you feel like impact your life. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, like I'll say oh, my internship over the summer, I like worked in Congress and um, a lot of the, this is, you can cut this out if you need to, but. <laughs> we want to hear you, yeah, what you have to this, say. <laughs> um, this summer, like everyone is kind of familiar with like what's, what's going on at the border yeah. with like the migrant community and yeah. the undocumented community. And I, felt like in that moment, although I'm not a part of that community, I felt that I was, how do I say this? I felt kind of like I was hurting them. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That I was a part of the society that thinks it's okay to, you know, treat the certain community a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. I can and relate then, to that. Yeah. And working in Congress where all the issues are there mm -hmm. and you're sitting in this high horse of privilege. I've gone to college. Um, I'm working in Congress that a lot of people don't even get to do that itself. Right. It just was like, it showed me that I have to constantly battle um, having the privilege to be able to actually have my voice being heard by other people around me. But at the same time, dealing with issues that like actually impact your life and trying to cope with that and being like self-care. So that's something that I, I have to work on constantly every single day do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like if i don't i probably will be like super like if i'm not eating i'm gonna be super hangry if i'm not sleeping i'm going i'm not going to bring myself 100 to everything and i'm going right. to be always grouchy you can't pour from an empty pot exactly exactly <laughs> and so i try to represent people as best as i can mm -hmm. listen i work on, i'm working on my active listening constantly mm -hmm. and I feel like if I never came out in the first place, I don't think that I would be this person that I am today. Right. I probably will be slouched somewhere, still sad, mm -hmm. still closeted, and not even wanting to talk about issues that actually impact people's lives. Because when once you, you've had that feeling of feeling not necessarily targeted or not just discriminated against, but feeling like you don't have a, some skin in the game. Right. You get to the point where it's like you're just like super you don't even care 
you get apolitical. You have apathy. Mm-hmm. You don't care because your it's your life has already been decided. But when you kind of switch and you're like, okay, I actually want to get involved. And I actually want to be active. You start to see that like your issues aren't the only issues that matter. And you start to feel like, you know, well, this I happen this happened to me, but this ha- this is happening to you and this happened to your community. No, we have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Like and I feel like sometimes I get a little I'm I'm very fiery. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> I got that vibe. Yeah. I'm very fiery. And it's like, whew. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that so what you just said reminded me of you went to the Take Back the Night March mm-hmm. this year, right? I saw you there. Mm-hmm. Um and something that sh- that Ashley said whenever she was doing her speech. She said, I learned the difference between charity and solidarity. Mm-hmm. And solidarity is I'm going to stand here with you and we're going to do this together. Um, and that's something that I still like. I think about that all of the time because it's so easy for us to stick a hand out and help somebody and walk away. Yeah. But we don't see the aftermath. We don't see, you know, so if we stand there with someone and say, you know what, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Let's get up and do this together. Yeah. And it's it's digging out of the trenches together. Um, that's I just that just is what I thought of when you yeah. said that. And that's something that I think is really powerful. I think that standing with people in solidarity and pulling people up because you know what they've been through, you know what it's like, and pulling people up and showing them, you know, this is what's possible. Yeah, is really incredible. Well, I would say like I feel like. Um, it's going to get a little deep. Okay. That's what we're fine. here for. It's going to put, I'm just like <laughs> trigger warning for anyone that's out there. Um, I feel like I kind of have a personal connection to take back the night in general. And not even just as a woman, but like a lot of people don't even like to talk about. And when I say a lot of people, mostly like a lot of masculine men, mm-hmm. a lot of they don't like to talk about their experiences with being assaulted mm-hmm. sexually. And it's even it's just really, really hard to just even look in the mirror and then come to terms with my own sexual assault mm-hmm. that happened on campus in front of like a room full of people. Oh, my goodness. And this actually happened like uh, a year ago around this time. And I'm I'm still coming to terms with it. And when I'm saying like I'm rebuilding, mm-hmm. it's because it felt like you ever you ever have like Jenga. You play Jenga yeah. where you like you build something up yeah. and then you feel like you made the wrong move mm-hmm. and everything just tumbles down mm-hmm. well i'm learning that like that wrong move wasn't necessarily my fault right and that what tumbled down was what the world that i thought i lived in this idealist world that like you know nothing's going to be wrong again but i kind of it, it I, I don't know it's just like i tell you i'm like the director of equity and intercultural mm-hmm. engagement but how did i get there I never been in SGA before my senior year, um, and I guess right after it happened, and it happened on campus in front mm-hmm. of people, it's like mm-hmm. through my own oppression, I saw the oppression of others. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it kind of it, it kind of brought brought me to a new world, where I was like, you have this voice, this fire, that, and it's like instead of like arguing, because I'm I'm pre law, mm-hmm. I like to argue about everything. <laughs> Like, put it to good use. Right. Put it to use for not only just the people around you, but at the end of the day. And it's, like, even really hard to, like, just 
say this, but just to put it to use for yourself, mm -hmm. because who else is going to seek justice for you if you're not going to do it? And I think for the longest, like I was, I was very silent about it. I didn't like talking about it. And it still like, even when I, when I walk back past the place that it happened at, I get the chills. Mm -hmm. I don't even like looking in that area. Um, I don't know. It's just take back the night, especially that night. It's like, I brought myself there mm -hmm. and you saw the whole person that was just like, you thought it was like just solidarity, but it was more of. I actually was there right. with some of those, with those people. I've, I've had that feeling of being frozen. Do you know what I mean? I can relate to you. Do you know what I mean? I can relate to you 100%. <laughs> and it's like, how do you live in a world where you don't necessarily, you, you, you can't talk about these issues right. because you think that like, oh, well, that person's not hurt. Right. And there's nothing, there's, in some people's instances, there's physical, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, trauma and scars behind it. But like, if it's just like, if it's just like a grope or if it's like a like you are like someone's like touching you in a, mm -hmm. a certain kind of way, like you're not necessarily hurt from it. Right. But it kind of takes something away from you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think so. And you can, you mm -hmm. know, tell me if I'm wrong um, for my situation. And I spoke about my 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 assault on my podcast mm -hmm. episode. Um, so for my situation, it took a long time for me to convince myself that something had actually happened to me. Um, and that was, you know, when I, when I came to terms with it, it mm -hmm. was like a punch in my gut, you know, cause it's people tell you all the time, like, be smart. Don't go out and drink. Don't dress like this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Say, speak your mind and like, don't let people touch you. Don't let people give you drinks and all these don'ts, you know? Um, so then when it happens, you're like, wow, like I did everything they told me not to exactly. do. Exactly. And I did, you know, I didn't say anything mm -hmm. and I didn't do anything. And I, I just, you know, I went out and I drank and I wore this and I did this and, you know, I texted him, all this stuff. And it's, it's this constant cycle of it's like all these things that you did wrong and you have to convince yourself that something happened. It eats away at you. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that. It is because especially like when you're told so many times, like, don't do these things, don't do these things. And then you do them, but you've done them a million times before. Mm -hmm. And then you do them. And next thing you know, whoops, you know, and it's you have to like for me, I it took me months to except like this is something that happened to me and on my podcast episode i talk about how it was one of my friends mm -hmm. that like i was telling her what happened she's the first person i ever told mm -hmm. and she says she started crying and was like it breaks my heart that you can't even say that you were raped mm -hmm. and that was when i was like whoa no i wasn't and then i was like wait a second yes i was yeah. and the thing is, like, it doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter what I wore. It doesn't matter where I was that I texted him. None of that matters because he messed up. Yeah. He did something wrong. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard thing to say, you know what? I did everything everyone told me not to do, but it's still his fault. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm really, really sorry that I am very you. sorry that it happened to you as well. I mean, and it's like, that's why I'm kind of in mm -hmm. the game that I'm in. Right. 
not even just SGA, but just mm-hmm. being an equitable activist. Right. Because that right there, it's like you you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have wore this. You shouldn't have gone there. Like, it kills me. Yeah. And that's when we're talking about what society teaches you mm-hmm. that you have to unlearn. Yeah. And that's why it's like, I'm a poli-sci major, but I'm also a communication major. Right. And I understand that, like, communication is more important than people think that it is. Mm-hmm. Because that's your worldview. And the fact that not only just, like, both women and men are taught, like, men specifically, they're taught a lot, mostly. Not everyone. Because we have some good ones out there. Yes. But <laughs> a lot of men are taught. Like, you know, don't show emotion, right. take what you want, mm-hmm. be sexual. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women are like, be quiet, don't Lady say anything, like, be classy. ladylike, be classy. Speak when spoken to. Yeah. yeah. If you see, like, don't walk alone at night. Mm-hmm. And I even was like, before it, like before my assault happened, I was like one of those people like, yeah, don't walk alone at night. Like, and not, I wasn't like to the extreme, like, oh, what were you wearing? Right. But more of it's like the implicit stuff that like people don't understand that are, that are important, like, you know. The issue is not her walking alone at night. Right. The issue is the fact that this man feels this, this sense of entitlement or sometimes even right. woman. Feels or this, sees that as opportunity. You exactly. Know? That's the issue. Right. I agree. And what, I what's the root? Agree. What's the issue behind it? It's, and it's that the, the gender binary system mm-hmm. about how you have these certain roles mm-hmm. and you're forced to fit in it. And especially like being queer, you kind of already are like, you're breaking those rules. What are you doing? And little kids are like, are little gender cops mm-hmm. like oh you're you're effeminate oh yeah we're about to beat we're about to beat you up that's entitlement right there right and it's like oh this girl is pretty i don't even care if she doesn't even like me i'm still gonna take what i want mm-hmm. and it kills me right and like when i finally had that realization it's like that was like an added pressure to my assault and especially like i didn't necessarily i i was not raped mm-hmm. but i was like you know touched in a right. certain way and if it's not, if you if you don't consent to it, yeah. it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? And I don't think that what happened to me doesn't ever take away from what happened yeah, to you. Still, in still. Any, yeah. But like, any, like, even like still even getting a taste of it mm-hmm. killed me that a lot of people deal with this in silence. Mm-hmm. And it killed me. Like, it broke my heart. And that's, I mean... Part of why we want to do this podcast is we want to talk about things that are not talked about enough on a college campus. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's Take Back the Night and there's events that happen throughout the year to bring awareness to certain issues. But this podcast is a different platform to mm-hmm. talk about things in depth as much as we want to filter or not, whether mm-hmm. it gets cut out or not. Like it's a <laughs> platform for us to just talk about all these things that are probably controversial. Absolutely. But it's like. If this is what campus wants to hear, then that's what we're going to talk about. Whether it's truthful, like it's it's all going to be authentic and real because yeah. mm-hmm. this is all about showing resiliency and being and real. Being real, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, the resiliency part. It's like you kind of, and I'm not sure if you've had the same experience, but you kind of like when you wake up in the morning, you have to kind of like come to terms. Like this happened, mm-hmm. and. I still love you. You didn't do anything wrong. But like a lot of people can't get there. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's less of protect women and it's more of 
Teach men. Teach men. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, when are we going to get there? We need think, to do it soon. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we've made a lot of progress. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we've made a lot of progress, but I don't know where I was going with that. Oh. <laughs> I agree that we've made a lot of progress, Rachel. Um, <laughs> you know, like when you have I mean, a thought as you were like talking, I brain. was like, it's not about what you're wearing. Like, it's not about where you were mm-hmm. going or that you're by yourself. Like, cause it's not your fault. Right. Like you are the victim. Like you're both victims in the situation. Like it's not your fault that someone else took it upon themselves to act on yeah. their like needs or whatever. I think- like. Kind of going off of what you said, as far as being a victim, I think for me, that was something that that's how I identified myself for a while after it happened. But I don't use that to describe myself anymore because once it's there's 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 a moment when you're like, you know what? He doesn't get to have that power over me. I'm a survivor. You know, I I overcame this and he doesn't get to hold that over me anymore. Yeah. And so for me, I I personally don't identify myself. I don't ever tell myself, you know, you were a victim to this. It's I tell myself that I survived this. Mm-hmm. Um cuz it is it is something you definitely have that like feeling of being a victim because mm-hmm. you are, you know, you're not wrong. You I like it's it is what it is. But I think there's something powerful in saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be victimized. I'm not going to give anyone that power to put me in that spot ever again. And I'm a survivor, you know? And I feel like for me, and this is a more nuanced perspective, mm-hmm. being like black and also being a man. Right. Not even just my queer status. Mm-hmm. Well, a little bit. I feel like that's a little bit of added pressure in the realm of like sexual assault mm-hmm. um i never still it's really even hard to call myself a victim or a survivor right because it's like it's that that little bit of like the patriarchal society in my brain is like well like get over it like right. you know what i mean or like you're not allowed to be a victim exactly or it wasn't even that serious like you know right. not allowed to have emotions yeah like, and it's like it's i'm still it's 2020 let's trash that <laughs> <laughs> i'm still like coming to that point where it's like and I'm still in the process of healing. Right. Because I'm, I'm hmm, tomorrow, actually, I'm actually, uh, my committee, uh, I have like three other women on my committee, and um, we are actually hosting a Women's March nice. at the lawn. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Really? It's at four o'clock. Yeah. Mark my calendar. I might have to come by. Yeah. And it, it potentially for me could be not controversial because like I don't want to take all of the shine away from it but like it did happen on campus mm-hmm. and it was a person in power mm-hmm. and i'm speaking out the march because i want to speak to the men there yeah yeah and share my vulnerability with them that's incredible and it's going to be it's going to be hard for me yeah because i'm going to get up there and i'm going to talk about my assault like in public wow and that's i don't want to be like the victim i don't want to be yeah. the survivor i just want to be i just wish that like it didn't even happen in the first place right and it shouldn't have, it should. you know, and that's I think that's what makes it really hard is it should have never happened, yeah. you know, but I think that, you know, even a women's march or not, if the goal is to bring awareness to sexual assault, I don't think there's enough attention around mm-hmm. the number of men who are sexually assaulted, Yeah, especially like with people losing their virginity at like 12 or 13, like yeah. you're a child, yeah. you're literally a child. Um, so I think that 
you know, you shouldn't feel any type of way for like, don't feel like you're taking anybody's storm thunder. Storm. The way I see thunder. <laughs> the way I see it, sexual assault isn't talked about enough on a college campus already. Mm-hmm. And sexual assault from a male perspective is not talked about ever. enough. Ever. Like ever. Really ever on a college campus or in the world. I mean, it's something that you do not hear about. So I think it's very brave of you. And like Thank I you. will try to come and support you because yes. I think it's really, really amazing. And I don't know. I think it'll be it'll be something that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's just it's still because like I'm still this is like not the last step in my grief, but it's right. like the next phase mm-hmm. because for the longest I was I wasn't telling anyone. And like only like probably a select few people knew about it. And I, as I've gone to counseling, because mm-hmm. this place I was like, you know, I was supposed to, I was trusting this place. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it just all crumbled down when it happened. And I was like, oh, my God, like I walked myself in this trap and I'm not going to trust anyone. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had to unravel that. And mm-hmm. I'm still getting that process. And it's taking a year where it's like I'm still like not really there. But it, I'm pushing myself. And you'll get and there. Taking, taking the steps that I need to take to fully heal yeah. as a person. And someone told me it was like just like the act of releasing that. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I want to say the name or not. And I'm it's it's a lot of controversy behind that. It's a big decision to make. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a huge decision. And like tomorrow could be like a defining point in my life Mm -hmm. of who I want to be in the future. Yeah. And I feel like, although I'm a Pisces, so like a lot of us (laughs) were like, uh, love a good Pisces. I'm a Gemini. (laughs) I'm an Aries. So it's like, um, (laughs) it's like, uh, the whole being a martyr. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get that label where it's like, I sacrifice myself for everyone else. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't think that I can leave this university because I graduate in four months. Mm -hmm, I don't think that I can leave this university and feel like I haven't done every single thing that I have could done to protect more people. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you got to do whatever you feel is right, I feel like, you know? Because you have the support system to back you, then, yeah, like, you got to go for it. Yeah. I think I will. Oh. So if you had any advice for anyone who's listening to this podcast – you know, whether it's a sexual assault yeah. survivor, whether it's someone in the LGBTQ community, whether it's both or anyone, what what piece of advice do you have for them? Another dramatic pause. I know, here. I was about to say that. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Did you want to leave your mark? So this is another way to leave your mark at this university. Take a chance. Yeah. Take that step scary Mm -hmm. it's gonna change probably your whole entire life but it might be good Mm -hmm. take risk at the end of the day reflect and just and i'm kind of like a one of those i'm very sometimes indecisive politics though they probably don't want to hear that (laughs) but sometimes jihad's future bosses yeah like future employers (laughs) sorry yeah um sometimes like it's okay to constantly deliberate on things and go back like I'm not there yet. I need I need a little bit mm-hmm. more time. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you'll come to a chance when you'll have that moment to just do it, and it's either a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that part, don't say no if it, if you feel like it's going to change things and they possibly get get better. The consequences sometimes aren't as important as the good that you could bring to the world. And besides, we need you here. 
I like that. It's beautiful. That was great. Thank you. Well, I think I can speak for both of us when I say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for being so brave and open and and resilient and resilient and real. Thank you for being our first guest and thank your you. patience with us. I mean, we're still learning as we go, but we definitely appreciate you being here and just being so open and honest. Do you thank have anything you. you want to add, Rachel? I just want to say that I think you're an incredibly brave person and I am happy to know you. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you for giving me the space to even just do this. This is, I feel like this is important. I hope people are listening and like, you know, I can relate. That's all I want. Yeah. It's the goal. That's why we're here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> little eyebrow yeah. movement there towards the camera. Um, with all that being said, guys, we will say our farewells and we will see you all sometime soon with a new episode. All Bye, right. everyone. We'll see you Bye. next time. If you or a loved one is in crisis, please call the ECU Crisis Hotline at 252-328-6661. If you are concerned about an individual, we encourage you to contact ECU Cares for more information.